Welcome to the Trinity Church Aberdeen podcast, where you can listen to our most recent sermons. To find out more about who we are and what we believe, visit trinityaberdeen.org.uk. A very warm welcome to Trinity Online for Sunday the 7th of June. We live in a world longing for change. I'm sure you'd agree with that today. Wherever you are in the world watching, I'm sure that's true for you as much as it is for me. We're longing for change with the virus, aren't we? For things to uh, ease and change for the virus to be uh, eradicated from our world, for it to disappear, for life to get back to normal, whatever that might look like. We're longing for change in the way that we treat one another. We can see that all around the world, particularly uh, with all the scenes that we've had emanating from the United States following uh, the brutal murder of George Floyd. Uh, We're longing for change in the ways that we seem to carry on abusing one another, uh, treating one another as if some people matter more than others. Um, All of these things are profoundly upsetting, aren't they? It has been a traumatic week for many of us in many different ways. Uh, We're longing for change in our own lives and our own hearts, aren't we? One of the things I've realised watching the news in the past week is that when things really, really matter to people, they gather. When things really matter, people just almost can't seem to stop themselves coming together. It's what we've seen with all the protests happening around the world in spite of uh, lockdown restrictions. And it's why our Sunday gatherings not being able to happen is such a heartbreak to us, isn't it? Because nothing matters more than the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we gather together physically week by week, what we've had always in our church life is God himself addressing us, giving us the gospel laid out to us as he calls us to worship, as we as we see who he is and then we see ourselves again afresh and we know that we need his mercy. We are a bundle of contradictions aren't we a mass of contradictions on the one hand we want to say that all lives matter while we still treat some lives as not mattering as much as others we want to say that all unlawful killing is wrong and yet we continue to murder the unborn in their mother's wombs we want to say that all injustice is wrong and yet we know don't we just this very past week Uh, In your home, in my home, we have used words that tear other people down instead of building them up and treating them with dignity. We need the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our world needs the gospel of Jesus as King. And so wherever you are watching today, however you're engaging with this material, what we've put together here are words to help us come to God knowing ourselves truly, knowing that the darkness is not out there in the first instance, but is in here, in my heart and in your heart, knowing who we are truly, coming to him in repentance and confession of sin and hearing his pronouncement of forgiveness of sins. This is why we do this week after week, as inadequate as it is on camera and film. That is our longing, isn't it, to come to God Together, So we're going to do that in what we have here this morning. I'm going to lead us in just a moment in a call to worship. We have uh, then a song and then we're going to take some time for some prayers of confession and repentance. Uh, Let's see ourselves in 
the great story of the world that seems to be going so wrong at the minute. Let's find ourselves properly in it, know ourselves as sinners, but come to our loving Heavenly Father and ask for his forgiveness and mercy and hear his hear his wonderful words of assurance of forgiveness. Then after that we have Ben Trainer, uh, who's preaching for us today. We're really delighted that Ben uh, in America, he was meant to be with us back in Aberdeen, but he's been able to put a sermon together. And we're really grateful uh, to you, Ben, and to your family. Thank you for uh, Sarah lending you to us like this over these uh, weeks. You're going to do some more for us in the future. And we're very grateful to have you. Let's hear God himself then call us to worship today. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord. And here is the surprise, friends. Why the joy? Why the happiness? For he comes, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. Amen. We're going to take a moment to say these words of confession of sin. If you know yourself, you will know how true they are of you. Uh, You will know how much we need to say them out loud to our Heavenly Father. Gracious Father, we know it is true that all have sinned and fallen short of your great glory. So in these moments, we want to bring our sins out into your searching light. The hatred which divides nation from nation, race from race, class from class. Father, forgive. Our use of power to benefit ourselves disproportionately, as if those who are not like us do not matter to us or to you. Father, forgive. The covetous desires of people and nations to possess what is not their own. Father, forgive. The greed which exploits the work of human hands and lays waste the earth. Father, forgive. Our envy of the welfare and happiness of others. Father, forgive. Our indifference to the plight of the imprisoned, the homeless, the refugee, the weak and the oppressed. These sins, Father, forgive. The lust which dishonours the bodies of men and women and children. Father, forgive forgive. The pride which leads us to trust in ourselves and not in God. Father, forgive. Hear us, we pray, for Jesus' sake and in his precious name we ask. Amen. So to this prayer for grace and mercy, Lord God, our Heavenly Father, the healer of nations and judge of all, give us grace to humble ourselves under your mighty hand throughout this time of anxiety and discomfort. In your anger, remember mercy, not giving to us all we deserve for our many sins, but strengthening us to repent and recover from all we must endure. For we ask in the name of our precious Saviour, Jesus Christ, who bore our sicknesses and carried our sorrows, that we might experience new life in the Spirit. Amen. And so, friends, now these wonderful words from Romans chapter 5.
how differently God treats us. How wonderful that we matter to him like this. God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, while we were his enemies, had no time for him, Christ died for us. Since, therefore, we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. Amen. Good morning, Trinity Church family. It's uh, really good to be with you this morning. This is a sermon for uh, Sunday, the 7th of June in the morning. Uh, I'm aware folks might be listening to this uh, other times as well, uh, but either way, it's really good to be with you. My name is Ben Trainer. for those of you who don't know me, and my, along with my wife and my kids, we attended Trinity Church in Aberdeen from 2016 uh, through to 2019, uh, where I was uh, privileged to work with David uh, and the rest of the staff team uh, as a ministry trainee, similar to what Struan uh, Yarney has been doing uh, this past year, attending Cornhill, doing some preaching, working uh, with the Truth Group. This past uh, July, we moved out here to Charlotte in uh, North Carolina in the United States in 2019, and we've been here uh, now for about a year where I've been studying at seminary uh, and interning here at Christ Covenant Church in uh, Matthews, just, which is just uh, kind of uh, outside of Charlotte. Um, we were meant to be back with you in June. We were so looking forward to being with you. Uh, the school term had finished. We were going to be back for about four or five weeks to do some preaching, to, to meet up with you. But we were so looking forward to seeing yourselves at Trinity Church, our friends and family. Uh, but obviously, uh, the Lord had other plans. The world has changed quite considerably, hasn't it, in these past few weeks. However, with speaking to David uh, Gibson back and forth a little bit with uh, church in Aberdeen, still being online in Scotland and uh, church here being uh, similar as well. Uh, David asked if I would con uh, consider uh, still preaching for you. Uh, and although not in person, not in the ballroom, uh, as we would have loved, uh, I'm going to record some sermons for you for June and, and maybe one or two more for July uh, as well. So although we uh, are going to so much being uh, miss being with you, we really are sorry not to be with you. I'm really thankful to be able to uh, to share and to preach for you this morning. Now, just before uh, we turn to Psalm 19, which is I'm going to preach from uh, today, let me just uh, briefly say a couple uh, a couple of things by way of introduction as well. I just really want to say thank you for your prayers for us this past year. Uh, all things considered, we've been so aware of God's goodness and his blessing uh, and his hand upon us. Obviously, these past few months, things have changed. Uh, seminary work has gone online. School work for Joshua has gone online. Uh, very similar to what you've had back in, in Scotland as well. Uh, but through these times, the Lord has kept us and uh, provided for us and been good to us. And we're very grateful. So thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your support. We've loved getting to meet people, to settle here at church and to, uh, to be studying in seminary, in seminary as well. Uh, for the next few months over the summer, uh, I'll do some more seminary work. I'll be doing some summer classes, trying to take some uh, of the catechism, Bible exams as well that I have to take. We'll try and take some holiday uh, and I'll be trying to record uh, some preaching for yourselves as well. So that's what's coming up the next few months as well as Lord willing a week or two uh, to have uh, a break also. 
Let me just say, uh, lastly then, just to tell you where, to where I am. I am in the, uh, the little chapel here at Christ Covenant Church. Uh, I just want to say publicly thank you to them, to their elders, to uh, Asher here who's recording. You can't see him, but he's kindly come down to record me here today. Uh, I thought that recording on my phone in our little uh, laundry space back at the house might not uh, work uh, as well in terms of a quality of uh, recording. So Christ Covenant very kindly allowed me to come uh, to film in their chapel. Uh, it's a little bit like the chapel at Queen Street Church as you go in there they've got a little chapel space at the side don't they before the big uh, main hall and uh, Christ Covenant have something similar here so that's where I am uh, for you to uh, to locate where I am and I'm very grateful to them uh, for having me here so thank you let's turn then to God's word and we're going to I'm going to read it and then I'll pray and then we'll spend a few moments Uh, looking at it together this morning. So in your copy of God's Word, whether you have it in front of you on a phone or a paper copy, please turn uh, to Psalm uh, 19. Psalm 19. Psalm 19, the psalmist says this, To the choir master, a psalm of David, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the ends of the heavens, and its circuit to the end of them. There is nothing hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey, than the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Let me pray as we come to God's word. Heavenly Father, we would take this morning the words and prayer and plea of the psalmist to be our own. Declare us innocent from hidden faults. Keep us from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. We pray that the words of my mouth and that the meditation of all our hearts would be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Whose voice do you cherish 
do you love to hear more than any other? Whose words get your heart racing a little bit, your pulse going a little bit? When things have eventually eased off with COVID-19, who can you not wait to have walk through your front door to hear their voice speaking to you face to face? Friends, this psalm is all about words. It's all about speech. And right in the middle of the psalm, in verse 10, there are words which David loves, cherishes, desires more than than any other, more than anything. This psalm falls into three sections. And in the beginning, you see the words that are spoken are words from the heavens. Do you see there in verse 1, they declare, they proclaim. Verse 2, they pour out speech. Verse 4, their voice goes to the ends of the earth. At the end, in the third section of the psalm, we see David's words in verse 14. Let the words of my mouth. And here, right in the middle of this psalm, in verses 7 to 11, this middle section, we have God's words. The heavens words, the heavens speak first. David speaks at the end, the psalmist, and here in the middle is all about scripture. The words of the Bible, the word of God. Just look at the words that are used for that through verse 7 to 9. David speaks of the law of the Lord, the testimony. Verse 8, the precepts, the command, the commandment of the Lord. Verse 9, the fear of the Lord. Verse 9, the rules of the Lord. Law, testimony, precepts, commandment, fear, rules. They all say something a little bit different. Yes, there is a nuance there, but taken together here, they are all speaking of God's word. They are synonyms for the scriptures. And look how David feels about them in verse 10. They are to be more desired than gold, than fine gold, than sweet honey, drippings of the honeycomb. Friends, all I want to do this morning is ask, how does David arrive at verse 10? How does he get there? How how can he say it? How can he, he know it to be true? Now, there is much in this psalm. C.S. Lewis calls this psalm the greatest poem of the Psalter and one of the greatest lyrics in all the world. Had I been with you in June, I was hoping to have three Sunday evenings looking at this psalm. It's rich, it's it's full. But as we just have one morning together, I I just want to pull at one thread. I just want to spotlight one thing. I, I want as if you like to get inside David's heart And to see how he can say of God's word, I I long for it. I desire it more than my next paycheck, more than money, more than a sports car, more than the best food and the choicest wine. I'm sure we're all missing our favourite eat out places, are we not? Fish and chips from the Ashvale or fish and chips from uh, down at Stonehaven at the beach there. Auntie, Betty's, ice cream. Maybe your choicest food is just a drive through getting a Big Mac at McDonald's and that's your idea of fine dining. Either way, 
David is saying, look, scripture is sweeter than that. It tastes better. Might we even say that the implication, the idea of verse 10 is that the scriptures are to be desired even more than getting out of this current lockdown. That's how good they are. Now, I can understand how you might be feeling listening to this. You might be ready to switch off your screen thinking, oh, no, here comes another lecture on how I'm not doing a good job reading my Bible and how I've got to pull my bootstraps up and, 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 and read it more. Well, friends, I, I, I do long for you to be reading God's word more. That is my desire here. Absolutely. But it is not a lecture that David gives us here. Do you see it? It's a poem. It's a gorgeous song to quicken the heart to almighty God. Psalm 19 is, is a poem, a song to, to woo us to God. To, to woo us to his word because it's here that God fully reveals himself to us so this morning all we're going to do is think about verse 10 to think about the scriptures and think how does david get there how does he desire it so much and how can that be true for us how can we say with david that the scriptures are to be desired more than gold the choicest food and money and wine well let me suggest three things from this psalm that make the scriptures irresistible to David and can make the scriptures irresistible to us. Why is this an irresistible word? Well, firstly, we need to know whose word it is. Remember whose word it is. You see, there's an interesting shift in this psalm in how David refers to God and how he refers to God's word. In this middle section of the psalm, from verse 7 onwards, do you see how David repeats the, uh, God's name? Verse 7, the law of the Lord, the testimony of the Lord, the precepts of the Lord, verse 8, the commandments of the Lord, the fear of the Lord, verse 9. And right there uh, at the end of the psalm uh, as well, the last word in verse 14, O Lord. And when in the Bible we get to Lord, capital L-O-R-D, we are getting God's name, God's covenant name, Yahweh. But in verse 1, if you notice, what does David say the heavens are singing about? In verse 1, the heavens are declaring the glory of God. You see, the shift is from the heavens speaking and singing and declaring the glory of God to God's word revealing God in all his fullness and covenant glory as Yahweh. That's the shift that will cultivate the desire in our heart, knowing whose word it is. Let me try and unpack this a little bit for us. In verses 1 to 6, you get the speech poured out by the heavens. They're speaking to God. They're singing, declaring his glory, proclaiming his handiwork. They're revealing to us that there is a God, a creator. I think it was John Piper who said that no one goes to the Grand Canyon and says, look how great I am. Now, we've been here in America a few months, but we haven't been to the Grand Canyon yet. We would love to, but no one goes into nature and opens his mouth and says, look how great I am. No, we, we open our mouths and think, wow, someone must be behind all this. Just think, we've been inside for months and we've not been able to travel. 
Think about your first trip up Loch Nagar, or walking round Loch Mick, driving through Deeside on a warm summer's day, or up at the Bulls of Buchan. We'll stop, won't we? In wonder in our hearts, as we walk, we're bound to stop and just say, wow, I've taken all this for granted, it's just so beautiful. I think even the most ardent atheist will be thanking God for this beautiful world. Days inside, mostly away from the beauty spots of this world, are enough, I think, to start draining the wax out of our ears, to remind us that this world is speaking of the glory of its maker. Now, Paul will pick up this idea in Romans 1 and say that the world speaks of God's glory to the extent that people are without excuse. You see, the stars are not trying to prove anything to you. They're merely, merely speaking to you of one that you already know. So I would want to plead with anyone watching this with, uh, with their family or friend this morning and you're not a Christian. Before things go back to normal and you're tempted to put your, uh, your AirPods back in your ears and block out the reality of life and death that's been right before us in these weeks. Before you put your fingers back in your ears and let the earwax build back up. Take this moment today now wherever you are. And see that this world, the blazing sun, the stars, they are speaking, they are singing, they are preaching to you that there is a God. Next time you take a sunset in, you climb a Monroe, you, you walk along the beach. Next time this world takes your breath away. Remember that just like a doctor hitting your knee to check your reflexes, your wow moment. This sky is gorgeous. It's your internal reflex reminding you of your maker. Our uh, lockdown reading at the moment is the line, the witch in the wardrobe. And when the children first uh, are all in Narnia together, they go to Mr. Tumnus's house, don't they? Because Lucy's been there. But when they arrive, they find he's been arrested. And wondering what to do next, whether to get back and they think they're lost, a robin arrives, a little bird. And they watch it and they quickly realise that they ought to follow it. It wants them to follow it. They haven't worked everything out yet, but they know they've got to follow this Robin. Friends, creation sings a song every day over you. Pitches a tent over the sun in verse 4 as it says there. Saying, lead, follow where I will take you. It doesn't tell us everything though, does it? It tells, us there, it tells us there's a God, but it doesn't tell us what he's like. And that shift then brings us to verse 7. In verse 1, David refers to God. Creation tells us of our maker. But by verse 7, we're referring to Yahweh. Because in scripture, God is revealed to us in his fullness of what he is like. You see, creation can only take us so far. The robin's job was to pass them to Mr. and Mrs. Beaver that the children might get to Aslan. Creation sings that you might go to find your maker. And to get there, you come to his word. And so David goes from speaking about God to speaking about Yahweh, the Lord. A name filled with riches and depth of meaning for him. The, the change is something like this. It's a little bit like talking about a prime minister or on this side of the Atlantic talking about a president. Okay, we can talk about a prime minister or a president. It tells us something. But when we say, oh, prime minister Tony Blair or Margaret Thatcher 
or Theresa May or Boris Johnson. Oh, them. It fills it up, doesn't it? Oh, we're talking about Johnson or May or Blair or uh, Thatcher, whoever it was. Again, here in America, we talk about a president, okay? But when we say, oh, George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, President Obama, President Trump, ah, right, now I see fully. And that is the shift here. The Lord in all capitals is how God revealed himself to his people. It's God's preeminent name. It describes his essence so holy, so full of meaning that Jews to this day dare not say it. God gives Moses his name, Yahweh, back in Exodus 3 at the burning bush. For Israel, it is a picture of rescue. It's Yahweh who took us from slavery in Egypt and rescued us, freed us to the promised land. It's Yahweh who is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, burning in steadfast love, showing faithfulness to the thousandth generation. This is his word, his law, his testimony, his commandments, his rules. Oh, they belong to him. How precious they are. Why, at the start, I asked you to think of someone whose words are so precious to you. Someone who you can't wait to hear speak walking into your house when the lockdown uh, is eased. Whether in these days as well, you love getting emails or texts or letters from people. You, you love those letters. You love those words over Zoom or Skype or FaceTime or in an email. Why? Because of the person they belong to. Oh, those words go with that person. I can't wait to have that person speak here because those words belong to my mum or dad my closest friend or neighbour, those words with that person. For us here, some of the words that we've come to treasure uh, the most uh, are, arrive in letters and emails and parcels. Uh, in our uh, house now, our children have come to say that we have boring letter days. Boring letter days. There are letters that go in our little mailbox from strangers. Now, they're normally bills for me to pay, gas bills or medical bills. That's been a new thing for us. Boring letter days. The kids run up from the mailbox. This is just boring. But what about when it's a parcel from granny or grandpa? What about when it's a letter with some sweeties from Auntie Amy? Then, oh, those words, we treasure those words. Why do we treasure those words? Because they're from that person. We treasure that person. And all that they mean to us. Friends, David delights in God's word. He wants them more than the sweet honeycomb because he delights in God himself. And he finds God revealed to him in his word. He delights, if you like, in Jesus because this word points to him. He delights in God because he knows who God is. The depth of the relationship he has with God when he opens up his Bible takes on new words because he knows they are his words. Of course we're not going to feel the same as David. If I can flip it round, of course we're not going to feel the same as David. If we, with the author of scripture, we have the same relationship as the person who sends us our gas bill every month or our phone bill or our medical bill or whatever. But oh no, when we remember, no, this is God's word. The father who sent the son to shed his blood for me, who died on Calvary's tree to pay sin's price. Oh, it's this God in his word. 
Friends, we haven't even got to David's description of God's word. And you see where we are. If you're five years old listening to this today, let me speak to you as you read your Jesus storybook Bible. Remember that those words are pointing to God to tell us of him. If you're 16 and beginning to read through a book of the Bible for the first time yourself, remember whose word it is. If you're listening this morning and you've read the Bible 20 or 30 times through, Bible in a year, every year, remember afresh this morning whose words these are. And if you're listening and you've never read the Bible, then let me tell you to come to it, to get to know this one, this Lord, who loves you so much that he sent his son to offer and to make a, a atonement for your sin. Friends, doesn't that sharpen the taste birds and get the saliva going for God's word? Remember whose word this is. The heavens, yes, they tell us, they're God, they tell us there is a God, but it is in scripture we get to know this God. We get to know this wonderful king, our redeemer and Lord. Secondly, the word is irresistible because David knows what this word is like because of what it's like. Just look at the adjectives. Some of us have been doing homeschool with our kids, haven't we? We've been having to brush up on our grammar. Just look at some of the adjectives of the word. The law of the Lord is perfect. The testimony of the Lord is sure. The precepts are right. They are pure, they are clean, they are true, they are altogether righteous. David, in verse 10, says he desires this word because of what it is like. It is a more sure word. Friends, don't we long for words that are pure, that are true, that are clean? Derek Kidner says, this shows the words of scripture move in a different world, a different world from the half-truths and compromise and insincerity of human discourse. Isn't that right? At the end of the day, in these days, isn't the news quite exhausting? Isn't Twitter and the constant bickering back and forth and the radio phone-ins, the lies, the half-truths, the compromise, the hypocrisy, isn't it exhausting? And even more so, forget our leaders. What about your words? What about my words? Truthful to your wife? Kind to your kids? Reliable to your employer? Loving of your neighbours? Are your words clean? Are my words clean? We arrive at verse 10 when we remember scripture is true. It is perfect, clean in a way that nothing else is, that no one else's words are will be let down and disappointed by the words of our leaders, our neighbours, our bosses, our employees, our families, ourselves. But never this word. Never the law, testimony, precepts of our God. Perhaps there feels like there are a few certainties today. Few words we can rely on. Few voices we can trust. Friends, here is your sure word. As the Apostle Peter will write in his letters in the New Testament, here we have a sure word, a more sure word, breathed out by God. Trust it. Build your life on it. Give your life for it. See what scripture is like. Utterly, utterly dependable. 
Thirdly, David then is stirred in his heart, not only because of who wrote scripture, and not only because of what it's like, but because of what it does, because of what it does. Again, look with me here at some of some of the verbs. Look at what scripture does. The law of the Lord is perfect. It revives the soul, verse 7. The testimony of the Lord is sure. It makes wise the simple. It rejoices the heart, verse 8. It enlightens the eyes. It endures forever and is righteous altogether. Scripture revives, makes wise, rejoices the heart, enlightens the eyes. Who wrote scripture, what it's like, and what it does. Just two things to reflect on there before we're done. Firstly then, scripture transforms. Do you see those words? Revive, make wise, rejoice, enlighten. From downcast to revise, from simple to wise, from mourning to joy, from darkness to light. Do you see there at the end of verse 4? What does he say in verse 4? The sun shines bright to the end of the earth. That picture's there in verse 6, isn't it? The rising uh, from the end of the heavens, its circuit around the earth, nothing is hidden. The sun shines bright to the end of the earth, speaking of God's glory. And the scriptures do that more. Reading the scriptures, knowing the commands of God are pure, that it enlightens the eyes. They're like having the sunshine brightly flood your eyes with the light of Christ. Long, dark Aberdeen winters teach us that, don't they? Spring rolls around and all light, it transforms us. It transforms our city. No light and the granite is dull, but light and it sparkles, it transforms. David rejoices at this irresistible word because it is a transforming word. And secondly, what well, look what the word does. It searches us deeply. It searches us deeply. This light metaphor runs through this. Look at what the sun does in verse 6 again. It rises from the end of the heavens and it circuits to the end of them. There is nothing hidden from its heat. Nothing. Now, being from Aberdeen, most of you living in Aberdeen, we could argue that sometimes, yes, the heat of the sun doesn't always reach us maybe quite as much as we would uh, like. But you get the point. It's light. It's heat. are found everywhere. Think of David living uh, in Palestine while this is being written. Where can he hide from the warm summer sun as it's in the sky? Nowhere. Have you ever tried getting a blackout blind up for a baby? Light just cracks through somewhere. You, you can't block all the light out, can you? It searches us out. And so God's word is the same. In verses 12 to 14, do you see that? God's word is the same. What is it like? It searches us out. The sun rises, covering the earth with light, speaking of God's glory. And the word speaks, it shines light into the darkest parts of our life. And that is why David in verse 12 has to pray, who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep your servant from presumptuous sin. Let them not have dominion over me. 
as he reads the word and he finds it to be pure and righteous and clean, he sees how dirty he is. He sees there's presumption in his heart. There are sins that he doesn't even see before a holy God. And he needs the word to search him out. The word will expose us, cut us deep. But it will then keep us from great transgression. And verse 11 offers the reward of God himself. Friends, the invasive surgery and searching of scripture needs to happen for us to find the transforming joy and enlightening of the eyes. If you like, the the conductor has to find the out-of-tune instrument. And when he finds it and says it's you and it's fixed, a harmony, beauty, that the surgeon has to find the illness, the problem, to expose it, to shine light on it, that the body can be transformed. Friends, let the Spirit work through the Word to shine in the darkest places of your heart, places that you wouldn't want to show anyone and can scarcely want to see yourself. Expose your sin. Let the work worm it out of you. And you will find great joy rejoicing. The Scripture gives us a way to become more like our God, more pleasing to him. And you know, the most wonderful thing is we can sing this psalm all the more freely because one has sung this psalm before us who could keep it perfectly. Jesus, who was innocent of all faults and errors, spotless sin had no dominion over him. And because of his life, His singing this psalm before you, before me, fulfilling this psalm perfectly for us. We can sing it all the more free. For we'll know that we'll mess up. We know that we'll get it wrong. But we know we can go on asking the Lord, wash us clean, forgive us our sin. Knowing that Jesus has perfectly done that for us. David draws attention to that in verse 14 at the end, doesn't he? When he's praying about his words at the end, he prays, Oh Lord, my rock and my redeemer. He's already in this covenant relationship. And so it's precisely because he's in this covenant relationship with God. God the Father through the Son by the power of the Spirit that David longs to know God and to be clean. To walk in obedience to him. Because Christ has already done that for him. And so he finishes in verse 14, praying about his words. Let my mouth be clean. It's a response of absolute humility. The psalm moves from the heavens and the skies to scripture to David himself. And he sees that he's small. He sees he's a sinner and wants to offer acceptable worship and friends the bible lets us please god it wants us to the word of god to his people is full of goodness and transforming life if we don't cover our eyes put our fingers in our ears and run away friends let me close with this Often people here in Charlotte at church or in seminary will 
ask me what uh, should they be praying for us or what should they be praying for Scotland? And I often tell them this. I often say that Scotland used to be called many hundreds of years ago the land of the book. That is the land of the Bible, the land of scripture itself. And I say, if you want to pray one thing for Scotland, it's pray that that might be true again. Because if it's known as the land of the book, it's because people have come to know and love and worship Jesus and have him as king and savior and Lord. And so friends, for us this morning, that starts with you and starts with me. Remember whose word these scriptures are. Remember what it's like. Remember what it does. Remember who it offers us. My prayer is that we would come to love our Savior more than anything. Thus desiring his word more than money or wealth or gold or the choicest food. My prayer is that David's words of verse 10 would be our words. That this irresistible word would be truly irresistible to us. That we would be changed. That Scotland would be transformed. And that not only the skies over Scotland would be proclaiming the glory of God, but that its people 